Hello and welcome back to I'm Thinking of Spoiling Things, a podcast where we dissect the latest releases. Um, this time, the latest releases are two very much latest releases, and then one split, it came out a bit early in times. It's a confusing one, we'll get used to it, it's fine. So, on this here podcast, we have three lovely adaptations of beloved franchises. We have yeah. um, Dungeons and Dragons, an adaptation of Dungeons and Dragons. We have the Super Mario Brothers movie, yes, that is its title, an adaptation of the popular... Um, character from Donkey Kong, then called Jumpman, <laughs> who then later was in his own video games, but I well basically that's, that's, it's actually, that's how that's, yeah, it's actually that's more presented. Donkey Kong more Donkey Kong adapt than you think. So it, it pays homage to that. Um and we have Ennis Main, which is adapted from the island of Ennis Main off the coast <laughs> of England. Um part of Cornwall. Um a popular franchise in its own right. Yeah. yeah. I am Stephen and with me as always genuinely always because i'm not always here is vaughn hello steven how are you doing today yeah i'm pretty good thank you how are you i'm i'm doing well it's easter today that we're it recording this is. i had an egg i ate a chocolate egg that was dinosaur That's, themed it's a good way to celebrate eat one chocolate mm. egg yeah I, yeah and i had some <laughs> had a dairy milk mini egg bar Really Ooh. quite exciting. There's a lot of innovation in the chocolate space now. But really, Easter brings around... Innovation in the chocolate space. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, probably deeply unethical, because it's very hard I to make chocolate probably ethically. Probably, yes. Even those that do it ethically. Mm. It's like, actually, there's, here's, a, here's an aside. But when you go to Costa Coffee, I think it is, there's like a sign that says like 99% of our beans are ethically sourced. I'm like, still a lot of unethical why sourcing. Not, <laughs> why not just remove that 1% of beans? I, I, get, I get that it's more complicated than that, but it's just like, the amount of coffee people make, that's a lot. That's a lot of, that's a lot of unethical sourcing that's true. on there. Yeah. Maybe, maybe just, just a white. large chain. Even though the majority would imply much less than 99%, if they wrote the majority, it would somehow seem better semantically <laughs> than, yeah, there's, a, there's a negligible amount does, that we just yeah. don't care about. Yeah, you know. Just a, a sprinkle of immorality. Um, before we get to that, um, I want to talk about um, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Okay, go for it. I have not watched this movie. I do not intend to watch this movie. Um, so I, I, tell me all about it. I just watched Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. I really, really love Winnie the Pooh. Um, in my downstairs bathroom, um, there are some original I, I don't know if they are like properly original because they are these like family heirlooms that i've inherited from dead relatives mm. as it goes um so some like pencil sketch drawings from from winnie pooh um so not even like etched in just some just like little illustrations oh, wow. from the from the books um have such fun memories of having them read to me as a child um my father um absolutely love winnie the pooh to the extent that as a child i was not really a big fan of the disney version because hmm. I was very firmly like right. established in the very twee British Winnie the Pooh, and then though I do realise now that the Disney Winnie the Pooh is lovely, then I was just like, what is this like Americanized garbage? What is this? <laughs> and I ironically use the word garbage because that obviously adds to the humour of the statement. Um, so I love Winnie the Pooh, um, and unsurprisingly, Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey is absolutely trash. Um, there you go. But, That's about all I've heard about it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting to me though because like there is there is a world where this could be really interesting. I didn't imagine there's a world where it's good, but there is there is room to take something and to subvert and to transgress. And one of the yeah. is an interesting franchise for that. Um, I wrote about this in a in a kind of like quick but I'd say pretty good um, review on Letterbox.com, where the point that I'll make about the Winnie the Pooh books specifically 
is they are wonderful because they better than maybe anything speak to a dual audience like pretty profoundly of they work so well for children because they're about a child's eye view of the world but they work right. amazingly for adults because you have the i have been through this lens and yeah for they sure. they are underscored by like melancholy and like actually quite deft symbolism and they are really beautiful books about the fleeting nature of childhood and the world of the imagination um and if they are read they are meant to be read to children and the parent or caregiver will have a different experience than the child has in a way that's really beautiful. Especially as I remember on the Code of Mayo podcast, which I cite a lot, when they reviewed Toy Story 3, they read out a passage from Winnie the Pooh, which is like the, the, the goodbye bit towards the end of Winnie the Pooh. That's just really, really beautiful. And was like, this is in the lineage of that. So there is an actually, there is an actual adult streak to Winnie the Pooh that you can actually do interesting things with. And I get that turning it into a, a slasher is not adult in the same way, Right. But there are ideas, and there is room for playing around the space of taking a seemingly childish thing and turn it his head. I mean, I'm this is pretentious of moi, but it gets me thinking of like Angela Carter's takes on um, the fairy tales with her bloody chamber and the like. So, like, I mean, you may have seen the Company of Wolves, the film that she wrote. I don't that's think I have, no. of that. Oh, you'd like Company of Wolves? It's really, really cool. Of taking these childhood texts but obviously with fairy tales right. as the whole brothers grim stuff but taking these and readdressing them and making them dark and twisted in a cool interesting way yeah there's but, precedent for that there is definitely precedent like this subverted kind of like weird it's dark now version is is, is not new and can work for the poo actually the beginning of blood and honey is kind of interesting because it has this premise that should be the film which is the idea of Winnie the Pooh is about childhood and then you leave childhood behind of like these right. these toys only exist as real when they're played with in that you know American gods those unbelief kind of way um, and the joke or the horror set piece at the beginning the horror premise is that Chris Robin leaves and then Pooh and Piglet and the like realise that there's nothing to their life now and they descend into madness and eat Eeyore uh, basically. Oh, um, okay. Well, at least kill it. I can't really remember. <laughs> I think they eat him as well. Um, but this is, like, conveyed through just, like, a animated, very, like, rudimentary animated just voiceover okay. bit. Um, which is a shame, because, like, there's actually, like, there is a narrative there that's kind of interesting yeah. of actually taking this idea of the forever child gone. And then the actual opening scene, because Robin returns with his wife, um... To Undertaker would be like, oh, you won't believe this thing. I've told you all the stories. And the wife's just like, oh, I'm so excited to see this. I believe in them. And then Pooh and Piglet um, murder the wife and, you believe, murder Christopher Robin. Okay. Which, yeah. Boy. I mean, it's not good, but there's something there. And then the film is just the bottom tierest slasher you've ever seen. It is just a collection of young women turn up at a... Airbnb house in English countryside. Before they get there, there's a Texas Chainsaw slash Texas Chainsaw 2 moment where they pull up, pull up at a place and go in to ask some oh, shopkeeper. Yeah. And, and the, but the, the person in this like shed slash shop talks about how it's the last place for gas. And I'm like, this is clearly Britain. What are you talking about? <laughs> Everyone else is like so aggressively really British. Exist, yeah. And I'm like, what is this? It's like, no, well, yeah, the news for the gas is across an ocean, but cool. Right. Uh, like so, some, some of those American tropes are American for a reason. They don't really translate. It's, it's, it's really just like, oh, it's like there's a Tesco down the road, mate. What are you talking about? I mean, it's very, very strange. And then it's just these women are in an Airbnb and just get killed one by one by 
mute killers that are wearing rubber masks, one of which is kind of a bear and one of which is kind of a pig. And it could be literally anything. So it's yeah. terrible because it literally could be anything. And it's just not a very good horror movie. It's just a collection of very boring tropes. They talk about like, oh, one of the girls is there because she was stalked and she's scared about that. Of like, you know, let's just have some, some feminized peril. Um, there's a little bit of vaguely okay stuff because horror imagery is interesting. Like, dare I yeah. say, there's a, there's a point where like a knife gets shoved through someone's mouth and that's kind of interesting to watch because as like gore fans, there are some rudiments of yeah. gore that are interesting but there's nothing you haven't seen before there's a bit where an right. eye pops out when a wheel is about to run over someone's head but there are better people getting run over by cars in most other movies i think <laughs> of um free fire the ben wheatley movie when there's the mm. very slow motion someone's head gets exploded by a tire and it's not as good as that and that's not even a slasher so you know um yeah winning the people and honey is, is not very good don't watch it what made you want like what drove you to watch that was it just like this is a release that i want to catch up on or is it just i was yeah. i was wondering why you picked that yeah okay just yeah. to watch it fair enough yeah, I, yeah. exactly that i mean i have access to it and i was like yeah totally and it was short and i was like oh, i can fit this in and talk about the podcast there you go short short is a good advantage for mm. sure um it's too long but it's short <laughs> well that's good yeah it's just like it's it's weird to say like it's a shame because i don't really think that I'm not interested in anyone doing anything like this and doing it well, but it's just such a, it's the shock value stuff of just like, we took the thing that you liked as a kid and we made, made it, it scary and violent. It's just like, it's not interesting as a premise. No. Um, and like, it, it is interesting that they, they have a setup that does do something interesting and mm. then they just, you know, kind of abandon that because yeah. like you said, that is actually a fairly interesting idea that they good, can work with. But, but it's something, it justifies right. it, it is existing. an idea. Yeah. yeah. And then of like what happens when women. they when they are abandoned, right? But yeah, yeah that's that's not a good. Uh, well, that would actually take a degree of effort and right. actual filmmaking to actually. There's a concept here, as opposed to we can have seven actors and just kill them all. Yeah, around. that's a, that's a, that's easy. Yeah, it's pretty telling too that they're just like, and now we're going to do this with a bunch of other properties that are public domain. And it's like nobody really wants this, but yeah. I guess you're gonna sell tickets or you really know, excited for just Huckle, Huckleberry value. Finn. <laughs> oh god <laughs> Huckleberry Finn blood and racist a... <laughs> since no, it's blood thank you. every time just, you know oh man yeah so that's you can that do something movie. there paint the fence with blood or whatever I don't know yeah um, <laughs> today's Tom Sawyer <laughs> so well, let's talk about some movies that we have both yeah. seen yeah I watched Ennis Main a while ago and you've seen it now Yes, I have. And it's unfortunate because I feel like not too many other people have seen it. The release has just been not great. I mean, it wasn't great in this country. It's never going to be great. Uh, it's it, it's a shame I mean, it, the film is spectacular. Yeah, I mean, it is understandable because it is ex experimental and, you know, mm. kind of jarring horror that I, I think typically doesn't get like a wide release. But no. it's just, it's I, I've been very frustrated with Neon's distribution. Yeah. I've been very, very badly wanting to see how to blow up a pipeline and I just can't find oh, yeah. a way to see it conveniently near me. I've seen it like with one theater great. around here. So, I mean, I, hopefully I'll find a time to see that. But yeah, it's just like... It's frustrating. So Neon is picking up really great stuff because that's a bunch of really good movies. So yeah, it's exactly. Great of they are supporting great talent, but they're not putting it out in cinemas. But right. films like Ennis Main, which this will surprise viewers and listeners of, yes, that's how the film is pronounced. You may think we're talking about Ennis Man. No, it's pronounced Ennis Main. Um, 
because it just is. Just that's the name of the place. Just, it just is. Yeah, just the name true. of the place. Deal with it. Um, <laughs> but films like this exist because of like arts funding and stuff anyway. So like, yeah. there's, there's, there's there's money involved here. It'll be great if it got more of an audience. It did really well in Cornwall. I think it like uh, that's good yeah. in a lot of local cinemas. It outsold Avatar. Oh, that's awesome! I mean, I'd love to hear that. I mean, as as um, I mean, Bait was similarly huge. His his last film in Cornwall, um, which is great. They they, they yeah, which I unfortunately low. haven't had a chance to to watch Bait yet. Oh, I, I know you that haven't seen Bait. Yeah, I know that you and all of our friend group really really love Bait. Mm. I just haven't Bait's, haven't taken the time yet, but I Bait really want to after, after seeing yeah after seeing Ennis Main, um, which you absolutely loved. I absolutely love Ennis Main. I'm really glad you liked it as well. It is, I mean. Talk about like lengths of movies. It's really interesting. It's like almost like exactly ninety minutes. Yeah, and it's got that feeling of it could be forty-five minutes or it could be like three hours. It's just, it's just stuff happening, and it's clearly yeah, like sure. they made a decision of it's like we'll just make it ninety minutes because yeah. it, it it could extend either way because it's just free associative, experiential, great to see in a cinema. So shame distribution yeah. not there. Just evocative time-bending strangeness but it is so works on just instinct level i know people don't like it and that's absolutely fine it's it's not yeah to I, I totally understand that yeah um yeah no linear narrative there's nothing no. really even to it's not like a movie where it's like you watch it and then you have to like put the pieces together it's like there's nothing really to figure out it's just that kind of well, expressive evocative cinema that like you see it and then you kind of just it's kind of on you to take away what you're going to take away from it. There's a bit in the last third where you're like, oh, if I'd have known that... And it's good you don't know the beginning. You're like, oh, that's what a lot of that meant. So that there is a reveal towards the end that reconfigures yeah, the, the timeline. There are line. things that connect, for um, sure. But there's not like a, oh, and it was... This is actually this kind of... Like, it's a ghost story, or she was dead the whole time, I'm, or whatever. Like, it doesn't present no, you with any definitive answers. No. Um, which I like a lot. It is, yeah, it, it's easy to talk about by comparison, though it is deeply unique. I mean, it's it's similar in construction to Bait in the sense that this is very analogue filmmaking of mm -hmm. just, like, hand-filmed, hand-cranked, um, hand-developed, like, really interesting, like, colour processing to this. Like, it looks absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it's um, got a film, really good feel to it. Yeah, film stock scrungy as hell. Um, really practical analog filmmaking tools of let's like let's get in with celluloid and let's just like just do stuff that just looks so great on that big screen. Um, there is a big Chantal Ackerman influence of it takes the yeah, kind definitely. of like underlying horror DNA of Gene Gelman and just goes, what if that was a horror film? Um, there is a lot of folk horror to it. Um, it's it's really really cool and there's a bit of like like jeff vandermeer weird fiction to it as well um and it is in the lineage oh yeah of like, like the annihilation kind of stuff yeah, yeah i can see that too yeah in in the lineage of like cool british science fictiony horror right. there's a bit of solaris to it maybe it's it is existentially strange cool character focused great central performance lovely overlapping time stuff i like things about repetitions and rituals because yeah. in the looping repetitions you start to see small bits of decay and those unexplained repetitions that gain a meaning through just repetition 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 allows things that should not be shocking it's pretty shocking like there is like a a jump scare rock in this movie <laughs> Like, yeah <laughs> the rock's gone and it's it's wonderful um yeah i absolutely yeah. love it adore it it's so interesting it definitely does like i remember i had read your review before mm -hmm. seeing it and and was was going into it thinking about your jan dealman comparisons and you can definitely see that because there is a lot of that like this is this woman's routine and she's going yeah. through the same motions every day but it's not 
quite the same in that in Jan Dealman, like you are able to connect the dots and you're like, okay, yes. she's, you know, preparing dinner for her son and this and this and this. But like, there's so many things in Ennis Main where it's like, you don't really know why she's doing the things that no. she's doing. And that makes it so much more interesting because you are trying to like, like, what is the thread here of like, why is she, you know, what's the purpose of the the dropping the rock and why exactly is she like taking notes that. on these, these couple of flowers. Stuff. And it's just like, I, it was definitely an interesting just experience to watch it because I was trying to piece it together the whole time. And then it got to a certain point where I was like, there's nothing really to piece together here. No. It's just, what am I, what do I want to get out of this? And then it became a much more interesting thing. I think. Cause yeah, it, it's very much, it's more of an emotional film. It is very much she's yeah. doing things out of a sense of profound isolation of, yeah. yes, there is a scientific experiment or maybe like some kind of like world ending thing underpinning this or just actual research, but she is there doing something to distract herself from, from sorrow, from pasts, from historical pasts, from potential futures. It is a self-imposed isolation of losing oneself in work and making it meaningful. The work is meaningful because she keeps doing it. It is about she right. keeps cataloging it because she needs to keep cataloging things and that sense of living in the repetitions. So the meaning is there from the beginning and it takes you a while to realize that, th that you are fully aware of what it means, that there is not right. something it's hiding from you. It's very good. Yeah, and I think it's, I mean, I, again, like I totally understand watching it and just being like, what the hell is this? Mm. But like, I think that it's so, to me, I felt a lot of really interesting reflection of just like, I think what has now become a sort of universally lived experience through a lot of like yeah. that COVID isolation yeah. and stuff. Like it feels very, um, very much a response to that kind of stuff and the kind of the routines that we fall into and yeah. how everything just like, I love that she is writing in her notebook every day, like no change, no change, no change. And it's just like those, these things that you fall into of just like, I'm doing these things and I don't really know why and nothing is changing mm -hmm. and what happens at that point and, and how do you kind of break out of that? And it's, yeah, very, very interesting. And the horror stuff that underpins that makes it so fascinating. And it, it does link to what you're saying. It does like touch on the in, the inherent pointlessness of so much of the labor that we do of like, it's all well and yeah. good asking what's the point of it. But so many of us like work in jobs or do things that ultimately serve no point beyond just tracking. And then beyond that, it's about the realities of science that, you know, it's not the sexy science doing stuff. Most science is just, it's important because nothing happens. And it's good to know that nothing happens. Um, yeah. A thing that's interesting, it's a weird comparison, but that most recent Chris Morris movie, the This Day Shall Come, I think it was called, that's about oh, I the see that one. about the foiled um it's the counterterrorism team in the US that the point was made of the way they need to justify funding is by proving they're stopping terrorism, and you can't prove you're stopping terrorism if you're stopping terrorism. Right. So it's based on a real real events where they basically radicalize and set up a, a terror cell and get them to just the point where they're about to commit terrorism so they can say, look, we stopped some terrorism. Because oh, the day-to-day -day, wow. like thankless thing is the actually, right. you can't tell we're doing our job because nothing is happening. Um, so there's that sense of the realities of most important things is actually tracking nothingness for for a long time and long yeah. time and long time and that underpins a lot of like important actual stuff of there are processes unsexy unglamorous processes that are deeply deeply important yeah yeah just very very and like you said like it's just a very cool movie like, it's it really just, cool the presentation of awesome. it is so cool and it's just the, the editing and everything is just so unique it's 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 a really really cool watch
Yeah. Um, just very unique experience for sure. I've um, said it before when I went to see it, saw it at Home Cinema in Manchester, which is Fab Cinema, and you know, people walked out in a daze. And a, a family with like, so um, the father older than me, um, son a little bit younger than me. So, and so the father's just like, Feel like I fell asleep for a bit. I was just like, oh, wow. I was kind of like boring. And the sons went, "That was sick as shit." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally, it was." Because yeah. those in my eyes in my head being like, "Oh, it means this, means this." And I was like, "No, that guy's right. That guy's right. That was yeah, sick as shit for sure." Which <laughs> is a really cool movie. Yeah, just totally like spirals out of control mm. at the end. Like I love that. Just like so much of it. It's like there's like those jump scares at the beginning that it's just kind of just like it happens. It doesn't even really go anywhere. And I'm just like, mm. why not? Sure. Like let's yeah. just throw in some crazy horror imagery shot on this very grainy scuzzy film oh, it's great so cool i know i bang this drum a lot but it is closer to the annihilation book than the okay, annihilation movie is i need to, to read that book oh book is so cool i mean because that that book is so much but the thing that i love about that type of horror is the mind-bending weirdness of something right. that's kind of wrong that should be right which annihilation doesn't quite get into mm. but the book does there's a great bit in that book where there's just someone is obsessed with, like, they see this well that goes down, they go, that's a tower, that's a tower that goes down. And, like, it's a tower. They're like, we could call it a well, but it's definitely a tower. So my head knows that it's a tower. And that's like that, right. that, that weird semantic yeah. lexical strangeness of, I know this is the case, and I can't explain why this is the case, but this is the case. You're like, yeah. Right, but you, like, have to assert it for yourself. Yeah, yes. that's cool. This is an yeah, inverted should, tower. This should is get on well. That. This is an inverted <laughs> tower. Oh, cool stuff. Good book. I should read that again. The whole, the whole franchise is great. Good to I've heard. I've heard very mm. good things. But let's talk about Dungeons and Dragons, Stephen. Mm. You saw this movie before I did. I was excited about this film, and you were like, nee, 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 nee. this isn't very yeah, good. It just, I don't it didn't... like popular film. <laughs> I wouldn't say that it's like, it wasn't anything like that. I just, the trailers to me weren't selling me on anything. Um, I, it's not like I even had anything against it necessarily. I think maybe I'm just cautious around this kind of like blockbuster yeah. stuff because it's all become so homogenous and yep. i just wasn't like the trailers felt very much like the same energy that every all of these other blockbuster action adventure movies have and so i was kind of wrong. like this just doesn't look great um and you were such but a then fan a lot of, of the 2000s movie Dungeons and dragons as well and you didn't think they could <laughs> which i'm sure we'll talk about because you did watch that uh, the movie's um, not i have not here's what we'll say about it it's absolutely <laughs> atrocious <laughs> probably won't watch it that's that's hilarious um, to say really bad but then yeah there were some early screenings of dungeons and dragons and all of the reactions were super positive yeah. and i was like okay let's maybe i should be uh, a little more open to giving this a shot so i caught a caught a screening of it and yeah it's a very very fun movie it oh, is it's really the kind good. of blockbuster action adventure fantasy stuff that feels like it has been kind of lost to the like i said like marvel homogenization yeah. of this stuff and it's it, it has a, such a different approach and it's very refreshing and fun so i i wrote a review that'll be up on the site soon as of i mean hopefully up by the time this podcast is up i um, think so yeah and part way through the review if, if this bit gets through the edit it might not i don't know because it's you know i'm alluding to something else but there was a <laughs> in the video game enthusiast sphere there was a, a blog that did the rounds recently from one Austin Walker, I've cited before, like brilliant cultural critic, now works as a game developer, um, or at least in the writing side. I'm not exactly sure what he does now, but he's absolutely great. Um, and But he still keeps his blog going. And he wrote a blog about the video game Forspoken. Um, mm. Now, listener, you don't need to know what Forspoken is, don't worry. Um, Forspoken is a 
role-playing game is an isekai. Is that the thing? That's the, the Japanese genre of the. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So of uh, strangers kidding King Arthur's court kind of thing uh, as, a, as an easier reference. So I landed in a fancy world and look at me, and everyone was saying how terrible the writing was in this game to the point where it became a meme and it seemed kind of like cruel to yeah. be like look at what the writing is and some people defending being like this writing isn't like it's actually par for the course of a lot of things um mm-hmm. Boston Walker wrote this great blog about him explaining let's talk about why the writing is bad and he made this really great point of he said it's it's he lent and he linked it to the Whedon-esque dialogue we're like let's break down why it doesn't work for me because if it works for you it's fine and the point he makes is it is a style of dialogue that seems to have embarrassment or contempt for the setting that it's in where the jokes are always pointed at look fantasy huh as opposed to deriving humor from the situation and Dungeons and Dragons on Among Thieves is a comedic film set in a fancy setting but the jokes are Princess Bride style extensions and irreverences from that setting not looping back to being like huh wizards right it's like wizards which means this as opposed to this which means wizards and it's such an important distinction of irreverence as opposed to like quippy sardonic kind of style yeah it's not like self-deprecating like it hates the fact that it is a movie you know what i mean like yeah it loves fantasy stuff and i was i was really surprised by like the opening frame of this film was me going this looks really nice of it kind of like pans across and it's this bleached snow landscape and like really nice like well shot high res just good costuming bunch of people coming into this castle like this all looks very very legit it's a a very well shot and well put together film like it's it's Mm. real there's so many cool effects there's great practicals there's like some animatronics in it like there's just cool stuff throughout it and like seeing some of the now that it's released, they've, they've been posting some of, like, the behind-the-scenes stuff yeah, like, on Twitter. Yeah, I watched some and, like, of that. Some of the stuff that they did to get some of those shots is just, like, really, really cool and creative and just, like, not what we're seeing enough of in this kind of filmmaking. Yeah, and, and, and it pays off in ways the... And why it's great is because the audience won't know that's paying off because of the practical steps went beneath it. Right. But the proof is in the pudding there. Of, like, it, it's because yeah. it's good. It, because it... it it's in a way that it grounds you in a world that it is legitimate. Um, what do you think of the film overall? Give me your general kind of like take on it. I think it is quite good, and I enjoyed yeah. it and had a lot of fun. But it mm. is way too long. It, it is. Um, that is that is my biggest problem. How does it, it. I manifest think if it its was, longness for you? I think it's just a little bit of like bloat, almost. Yeah. Like there's just a little, there's a few too many things going on. There's a few too many side quests. Like I think if it it's was exactly just back what a said. little bit, Emma said that exact line of too many side yeah. quests. <laughs> <laughs> there's a point where I felt like this is the ending and then it just kept going yeah. and i was like there okay was a, it like should have it should have wrapped up yeah so it's just a little bit too much and i think it was a little leaner i would be a more of a fan of it but everything that's there is still a lot of fun so what's your history with dungeons and dragons and the wider wizards of the coast material i wish i had a lot more experience i have played dungeons and dragons a couple of times played it with you a couple of times mm-hmm. um i have watched some other campaigns like on like in podcast form youtube kind of yep. thing like other people playing it so i'm familiar with the a lot of like the concepts and just the way yeah. that it plays out um it's something that i would like to be way more familiar with because i love the concept but it's just yeah. difficult to like get that stuff together and, and get a group of people to be playing it regularly 
And are you familiar with like other adaptations of stuff? Because like my familiarity comes from a love of those CRPGs back in the day. I've I played so much. Like I know that Planescape Torment is 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 not quite a hundred percent linked, but is is you know Planescape is 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 adjacent to things and like Baldur's Gate and stuff and Neverwinter Nights and then going up no, like Dragon really Age. Like, so yeah, that, that that stuff is is my background originally of those like okay. CRPG Infinity Engine games of all based in D and D stuff or adapted right. from and even like playing Kotor of like Kotor like the Bioware mm. game of like it's D and D but Star Wars of <laughs> gonna get used to like the underlying play space and like more recently the Divinity Original Sin games mm -hmm. um, and then. Yeah. I'd alluded to, I do love the tabletop game D&D um, &D and have, have, have run some right. games with Vaughn. We should do more at some point. We um, definitely should. Yeah, we should do. Um, and I, I like to do Dungeon Master because I like to just like make up stuff and it's just, it's, it tickles my brain in that fun way of just like, it's, yeah. as Jack puts it, like fantasy improv idea. Um, are you aware of the recent news in the D&D &D space? That it was a bit of controversy recently. I want to say I did hear about this. I'm not mm. sure that I know the details. Was it like they're trying to like lock something down or basically yeah. restrict some kind of access to people being able to play it? Yeah, I'm going to say all of this wrong and people listening will know more than I do, but some listeners will not. So there you go. So I'll go to that. <laughs> so the D&D the &D rule set is like fair use to an extent of right. the core rules you can adapt in because their idea is we'll make money of, we'll get people to learn how to play D&D and they'll can do their own stuff with it and that will bring them to it because yeah. they will know the rule set and because most people make their own stuff with the thing and then they right. want to get the updated rules and expansions so you it, it's it's the kind of like somewhat like the apple idea but without the financial buy-in of we've got you in this ecosystem because you're right. in it now and then once you're in it you know if you want to get more stuff that's going to bend in of if we make the rules fair use and you can develop them then everything feeds back to a machine that supports that and your popular right. podcasts like the adventure zone and like critical role and stuff like have deals with wizards and the coast with the coast right. um to varying extents or like do one-off events with them etc so it feeds itself and there was the rumor that they were going to change this thing to lock down the free to use aspect of dungeons and dragons and that caused such such a massive understandably yeah. um that they dialed that back completely um so the D, &D name was a little bit in the mud for a tiny bit and it's at the same time where magic the gathering that other was the coast big product was yeah. also not doing great i think there was a quote from an economist from an economist it was on the lines of it's like wizard of the ghost wizard of the coast have chosen to kill their golden goose which is like almost <laughs> oh, exactly God, yeah. and that just like caused this like huge right. like what because they were they were overprinting stuff and i forget mm, exactly what they were right. doing but there was like a whole bunch of changes to to magic that people were were annoyed about and i think they're kind of getting around that now but it's wizard of the coast are in a weird place and this is a great time for a a film with a lot of goodwill behind it to come out for them so that's good i guess though maybe a shame because maybe they're in a bad place because of yeah bad good business practices it, like um it's good if it inspires people to be interested and hopefully drives yeah. them to keep moving it forward in a positive direction mm. that is not like taking that power away from the players very well put um, but i guess that remains to be seen <laughs> yeah and we've got Baldur's gate 3 coming out soon as well um which hopefully um 
this movie will will spice my information. I will not be playing Baldur's Gate three because my PC would probably break if I played that. It's <laughs> a PC ass PC game. I really want to play it because I love those Divinity games. It's from the, the people that made those Larian. Um, okay. Shame, shame, shame. So my D and D background makes me look at this film as a D and D product, but as yeah. like a playing the game D and D product. And definitely everything that's bad about it, I kind of like because it's kind of like D and D in a way that I'm like I, I'm, I I'm insufferable in that way. Yeah, yeah, that was kind of my my takeaway from it too. Is I was like, there's so many things, and there's like there's an irreverence to it, and yeah. a lot of the dialogue is a, just like a little bit insufferable yeah. and annoying. But I'm like, but that's kind of just what D and D is. Is you know, it's like <laughs> I, the pacing as well. So the thing that I the thing that's great about it, all D&D sessions, almost, and correct me if you think I'm wrong here, um, and maybe it's just me as a bad DM, but you are usually playing in a very tropey space. Because oh, absolutely, the, yeah. the world the world of the Forgotten Realms is quite tropey, because the idea is it's an easy buy-in for the players, and they can do clever things within that tropey setting. Of yeah. You will set up known beats, and the players go, oh, cool, I get that. And tropes are fun to interact with and engage with and subvert as absolutely. a player. Genuinely. However watching that story curated for you isn't as entertaining. So D&D, the movie, has the feel of the trope-heavy but kind of like improvisational space in the centre of a D&D yeah. campaign. That works in a D&D campaign because you're playing within it. But when the film is playing towards you, the tropey layer isn't as involving because you're like, well, these are tropes I've seen in film before. I suppose I can interact right. with them. Um, the length, I agree with you, but it also has that feel of like when you're DMing, you're like, ah, oh, this can this can this can go for a bit longer. We can we can keep right. In this like space you have to kind while. of keep going to wrap up all the loose ends and stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I think it, it is. It's like the difference is like when you're playing it and you are expecting mm. those tropes because you can play into them and and you use them to propel the story forward. Like you know that if this is my goal and I have yeah. to you know go on a quest to get this item to achieve my goal, it's like. Yeah. You, you kind of know the beats and it's like you just kind of are having fun and playing with that as you go along through those beats. But yeah, when you're watching it, it's just like, okay, I'm expecting these, but I don't get to have the fun with it. Yeah. So it's just the stuff that I'm expecting, which, which you know, has its limits for sure. But it's still, it still has a lot of fun with it. And a thing the film manages to do, which maybe doesn't work well for a film, but it's fun for a D&D fan, is the great thing about D&D is it has this backdrop of lore which is feels lived in and rich and the film has that feeling of it exists in a real world but then also the feeling like what you're watching is being made up on the spot and is not that entirely consistent in a way that is very very D&D of like this is going to irreverently switch between tones and then it's it's a very serious world in this backdrop with like serious things happening to serious wizards and it's like let's throw potatoes around have a fun time like yes this this whiplash of tones between like this is just riffing on itself pointlessly and this is very very serious is for me it's like they get this um and they definitely it may not do. work yeah. as a movie um i so. appreciate i really appreciate that like the film doesn't go out of its way to like over explain the world like the mm. world is just there and it does feel lived in and there's all the stuff that like just kind of flies by and you're just like that's just a thing that exists but it's not going out of its way to be like and that guy's a halfling and that guy's yeah. this and this is that they mentioned about just Gate, they just the exist sword coast neverwinter <laughs> i'm like i know is that emma's next week? right I'm like she's got no idea i'm like i know those places, those places. 
Yeah, it's just, like, it's rewarding when you know what it is, and, like, the exposition is just directly tied to, like, character backstories, which is how, you know, a D&D session would play out, where mm. it's, like, you have to introduce the characters and be like, and this is how the character exists, and, and this is how they came to be, and you have to know all these details, but I think it, it does show, like, a great understanding of the material they're working yeah. with. I think the action's really cool, and it, it, it leans into it feels like a D&D session, because you, you can almost imagine the dice rolls that are underpinning the action yeah they do, exactly and they're spreading forth from because when you make a DD character you have like traits and desires in quite a, a stripped back way and the characters feel like they've only got that level of like fleshed right. out character to them and like this character does this and that will be why they do what they do and again it just feels legitimate and well enjoy and um holger's fights are the best of this of she's doing things you can almost like feel the the roles happening right and be, being like failed or succeeded and uh it's it's yeah, fun. The, it's fun. It's the, cool. The composition of like the party, I think, is so perfect because it does have like that that feeling of like when you have a session of friends and it's like you've got that one friend that is not really interested in like the combat but just wants to goof off and that's like you know the Chris Pine character who really has no ever doesn't ever actually do anything but he's just got all of his points and charisma and he just talks his way through it and he's great you know it's just yeah it's just awesome and you know you got the characters that are actually like constantly accomplishing the actual tasks and it's just it works so well it's, yeah. it's it is a lot of fun yeah it, it, it is really fun bridgerton guy is there and is in it just enough to be overpowered but in a funny way um is it michelle rodriguez is that her name um yeah. i've not seen her much i know that she's in loads of things i've not seen her much because i've not seen the fast and furious movies um, yeah, i can't which, think of, of her I, in much outside of fast and furious which I she's really great she's in this like, yeah she's brilliant she's absolutely brilliant absolutely brilliant yeah yeah i think everyone everyone is is, is a lot of fun i like uh what's it justice smith is that his name yeah he's, he's great too I, yeah I, as we as bass charisma the sound i just like his voice he's just got like a just a just a fun voice <laughs> for that character he does just like yeah. his vocal affect is just so in line with the doofy little wizard that you want of yeah the, it, the casting's really great you know hugh grant is the the smarmy like king guy he's just he's so great in that role like everyone's just, just having such a good paddington too and made that his identity. <laughs> absolutely yeah, yeah just it, just great really really fun could it, be a little bit shorter and maybe a little be. bit like cleaner but still a very fun time but it all goes movies. back to me the D session thing of it feels like playing D D with a good dm of that sense of a good dm should be about this seems cool let's try and right. make this happen just roll with it and right. the whole like even going to the, the bit at the end where it's like the balloon flying through that's like barfing out gold being like that is ridiculous but i will find a way yeah. for it to happen <laughs> it is it is constantly fail forward what's the fun way of doing this um right and like i love the that that scene where they're in the graveyard like reviving all of the <laughs> the skeletons is like so great Genuinely to me because it's like exactly the thing of like when you have the dm that's like playing really hard with the rules of like you all can only ask him three questions but i also want yeah. you guys to be able to complete the task so we got to get through it <laughs> like, okay we'll do it again, then. We'll do it again. <laughs> right yeah it, so it, much fun it, it seems legitimate in space and i think it will speak outside of its audience as well uh, but it will speak really nicely to those that, that that care and know which is the best you want from it yeah no, i mean not I'd, a perfect I mean, movie I, but really good yeah i think for anyone who is not familiar i think it's just going to be a very fun fantasy mm. adventure comedy movie and i think people will still be able to enjoy it and i think they are oh. i think it's been doing well there's a there's a joke at the end that I also think is obviously very princess bride inspired but just absolutely brilliant of it revealing itself at the end 
of what you think's happening at the beginning. At the beginning, you're like, oh, is this going to be like an entire like wraparound story of them in prison talking about... Because you know it's going to be a heist film, and you're like, oh, is this oh, going right. to be... And then it's been at the end that this was actually a wraparound story of this is... <laughs> <laughs> this is Hugh Grant's character yeah. <laughs> saying what's happened. <laughs> Up to oh, that point, which is a, a fun little reveal um yeah yeah cool movie cool movie love it love very it, love cool pretty fun well before we move on steven you know what we have to do every episode now i mean i'm in a low gear at the moment so I'm... let's gear up for gran turismo oh, steven God, it's just like gamers unite this time all my and it's main gamers <laughs> Oh man! All my Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey gamers. Yeah, this, is, this is the the gamer podcast. When of, is Ennis Main skins going to be in Fortnite? It seems unlikely, but I would. I'd buy I would those, play absolutely. a battle royale on the island of Ennis Main. Yeah, new yeah. map. Yeah, new map. Ennis Main. <laughs> all the like popping, just rocks popping. All out. the kids are like, "What the fuck is this?" It's like, why am I, why am I dropping rocks down this well? <laughs> it's like oh, Firewatch. Man. I would play a walking simulator. Like dear oh, yeah? or that, Firewatch. That's true. Just that like makes NS more main. sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Do you have any Gran Turismo updates since the last time we recorded? Few, if any. Okay. Well, what are the few, if any, that you have? Uh, none. Is it none? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I I don't have too much of an update, but I did something ill-advised, <laughs> which. Mm. And the problem is, it's now... The Neil, Young is is now pissed, Neil Young is pissed at you right now. <laughs> this segment has now gone on long enough that... I don't even remember where this idea came from. Do you remember where this came from? The Who introduced this podcast to us? Oh yeah, this was Lorcan, I believe. This was... Oh, okay. I, I could not remember um, where this came from. Um, but yes, it was suggested um, by one of our listeners that... There is a Joe Rogan episode of the Joe Rogan podcast featuring Neil Blomkamp. Um, and I think the idea was like, there was some interesting things that, that Blomkamp you, said. Do, in that, do you still that... believe in COVID? Oh boy. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, no, not like not that. that question. I just, I'm just thinking about listening to this and I'm just like, so I was at work and I just, you know, had nothing to do. And I was like, I'll just throw this on while I'm, while I'm working and let's see how much I can get through. I was not okay. expecting, it's like a three hour episode. And I was like, there's no way that I'm making it through the whole thing, but let's see how much I can get it through, get through of it. Um, so against my best judgment, I put on the Joe Rogan podcast, which I have never listened to before, just to be clear. So I don't know anything about this podcast and I just don't, I don't get it. Like, I don't know what the podcast even is there's no introduction there's no context for anything it just the episode starts and it's he doesn't even introduce neil it's just him talking to neil blomkamp and they're like in the middle of a conversation already and it is just word vomit gibberish (laughs) and i like i don't really even have any idea what they were talking about it was basically just going right through my brain and I'm just listening to it and I'm like, what is going on? Because like I expected it to be at first I was like, maybe this is like a cold open kind of thing and they're gonna chat for a bit and then at some point they'll break and he'll be like, and it's Neil Blomkamp and we're here to talk about I think at that when it, the when the episode came out, his last movie Demonic had it was <gasps> releasing or it just love that out. movie. A terrible movie. Um so I thought maybe he was gonna be like, Oh, let's talk about that and never at least from what I listened to, the the, the which I'll, I'll tell you how much I got through. 
there was never an introduction. There's never any context. It was just so I have some some notes that I wrote while I was listening mm-hmm. here on my phone. So I'll read you my notes. Um, five minutes in, I had no idea what they were talking about. It, aliens, cybernetics, UFO lore, or something like that. There was no introduction, no context. That was my first note. I was just like, I have no idea what they're talking about. They were talking about oh. aliens or something. And I was like, what is happening? And my second note was, I feel like I'm listening to the incoherent ranting of stoners, which is maybe what this whole podcast is. Why do people listen to this? I was just like, I don't, it's just like, it's the conversations that you have when you're high, but it's like, I'm listening to someone else have it and I'm sober. So I'm like, why would I listen to this? Like, I don't understand the appeal. I don't know why anyone listens to this. It doesn't make any this sense. This is the most to me. popular podcast in the world. Um, maybe we should do that more. Maybe just, <laughs> that's so, what we should shift to. It's just nonsense. So they said nothing of substance for ten minutes, and then uh, it cut to an ad <laughs> and, and tried to sell me. He did <laughs> substance from that point onwards. <laughs> and then he tried to sell me some blinds. Um, huh. Good ad. Um, and then my next note was this oh, techno babble nonsense. I want to, 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 to go to the website of a, a local blind manufacturer. I'm going to do that right oh, now. Oh, okay. Um, I, my next note was this techno babble nonsense maybe explains every Neil Blomkamp movie because that's basically <laughs> what it was was just like him ranting about just stuff that made no sense and i was like oh this is about must be oh. how he writes his films um, god that actually is their website for real god what is what is going on over there looking so, at blinds <laughs> yeah so i was driving to north wales the other day and i got caught in some traffic on the outskirts of oldham so you can dox me real good i don't live in oldham don't worry <laughs> i had to drive through oldham to get there so you can you can narrow down my location a bit more and i drove past a place called five star blinds um and that was already a fun name for a blind store five, five star stars. blinds five star blinds absolutely Great blinds. um which then how many stars do they have Stephen? <laughs> five and then that leads to the question of if you're called Five Star Blinds and you had to make a website, what would you call your website? Uh, fivestarblinds.com. Uh, well, this is not .com. Or .co.uk, I'm sorry. You're close. Their website, which was emblazoned on the shop, is blinds-blinds.co.uk. <laughs> what? <laughs> blinds, blinds. That's, that's great. I love it. I just love uh, it. Like, we wanted to call it blinds.co.uk. We couldn't get that. Couldn't get that. Blinds, no. blinds, blinds, blinds. <laughs> I went to the website. Yeah, it's not a good oh, website. That's great. But it exists. Go to go to blindsblinds.co.uk. Well, if you're in the Spons- market for some blinds, we're doing free advertising for them yeah. now. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> or, so there'll be any light flight quote. Call them today on 0161 682 9999. Local rates will apply. Please, <laughs> okay. you know, user <laughs> plus four four at the beginning because it's a British number. So drop the zero and plus four for it. Um, well, if you need blinds, if you need um, blinds, blinds, blinds. So anyway, I didn't make it much further after that. I made it about 15 minutes into the podcast before I gave up. I At this point, I don't even remember what they were talking about, but they were saying something that just, just I was like, I've had enough of this. I'm just going to give up. They were talking about, like, conscious. It was basically just getting into weird conspiracy stuff, and I was mm. like, nah, I can't, do, I can't do this. I learned nothing about Neil Blomkamp. This was not a useful endeavor. <laughs> I don't know if there is useful information in that podcast. I am not going back to it to find out, so... Um, I tried my best, but that's, I guess, our Gran Turismo update for this Sorry, week. I, I'm, I'm lost in the blinds. Steven's shopping for blinds. So, I went to news and media. There's exactly one post. It's from July the 1st, 2021. Okay. The title is Find Relief from Hay Fever. The blog just says, hello world, and that's it. 
and then just what? add it's a comment and there are zero comments <laughs> what do blinds have to do with hay fever <laughs> what <laughs> i'm so confused yeah blinds dash blinds look at the uk this is a front for something this this is not a blinds place i don't, I don't trust this place you know what i think you might be right you might be onto something here this website Stevens they, uncovering they, they, a conspiracy this was them being like let's make a fake website that's so innocuous <laughs> oh my god i have more that. <laughs> i found their email their email is five star blinds 007 at gmail.com this what? is a hundred percent made up <laughs> This is now, Spoiling Things is now a true crime podcast. We're going to get to the bottom of Five Star Blinds in Oldham. We're going to figure this out. There's something fishy going on here. Yeah, I don't, I don't trust this place. I might go. Shall I go? I do, I do I mean, need a new I, blind for upstairs. Well, then you absolutely should go. I have a reason to go. She got a quote on some blinds. Yeah, Skylight Blinds. That's the blind that I need. No products matching my selection? Oh, are there any products here? Wow. Okay. He's got a skylight. This guy's fancy. Thank you. Um, okay. <laughs> what are we doing? What's <laughs> happening? <laughs> this, is what's, this is what's coming to this segment of this movie that there's not that much to say about <laughs> that we have to keep up for several months. If you go to clearance blinds, there are no products that match your selection. No clearances at five star blinds. Ooh, nothing on sale right now. So yeah, feel free to visit. Five you would think blinds it's Easter. At blinds dot blind, <laughs> not blinds dot blinds. Blinds dash blinds dot uk. Blinds dash blind dot uk. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's enough gearing up for Gran Turismo. Yeah. Um, there's your update for this week. Um, I maybe hate Neil Blomkamp now. I don't really know where I stand at this point. Oh, they have a Facebook page. Let's. We got it, Stephen. We got to move on. <laughs> Let's get to our, let's move along. Let's get to our main film for the week. And I'm going to make you introduce it so you can stop talking about <laughs> points. I'm just, I'm just looking at the stuff that face on Facebook. It's kind of weird. I mean, yeah, if it's not real. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. yeah. Okay, anyway, so I'm going to leave blinds dash blinds or five right, star blinds on them. So, um, the Super Mario Brothers movie. Yes. That's the name of the film. Not to be confused with Super Mario Bros, the film from 1993. Um, Correct. Which we'll start with. Now, you've seen Super Mario Bros, the film from 1993. Yes, I have. I don't like it. I don't think it's good. Should I think you should watch it again, because it's good, and you should I, like it. I kind of do want to watch it again, because when I was reviewing and rating the Super Mario Bros movie, which I won't reveal what I think just yet, but I felt like... It shouldn't have the same score as that other movie because I think I like that other movie more. So mm. I, now I kind of want to rewatch mm. it. Um, but it feels like it's too recent. I don't know when I actually watched uh, the other one, but I still don't think the other one's very good. I mean, I, it is. It I is think certainly. You're wrong. It's, I think you're just completely wrong. You just and think... I might be. At, at the very least, it is far more endearing and mm. interesting. It is taking swings at something. Mm. They're absurd somethings, mm. and it's ridiculous. Mm. But it is. <laughs> it is a much more enjoyable experience to watch it. Um, it is having a lot more fun with its premise um, and all yeah. the ridiculousness of it. Super Mario Bros. is an awesome movie that I rewatched this weekend. I uh, already liked it. Now I think I think it's great. Legitimately <laughs> great movie. Um, and the leads are all having a great time. Committed performances. Bob Hoskins is just very good at acting. And he just gives a grip. He doesn't know what movie he's in. He doesn't care. But he, he doesn't, doesn't. He didn't know it was a video game. No, he did not. He did not. He had no idea. He, Which makes it that much better. He just he just commits and does it properly. He does. 
it's a really imaginative interesting film in which someone set a collection it's like they had the instruction manual and just went to the glossary because i presume it had a glossary at the back and just got all the key nouns of mario and were like oh, right. that's, that's a thing we'll put it into here and it, all the names are there the words oh, the, the, the words language of it but nothing else matches in the totally. way that you would expect it to but it is incredibly imaginative and really fun and really pacey um really funny really strange earnest and the plot structure is borrowed almost exactly in the new movie which is is, is strange to me so you know you start in in brooklyn with right. plumbing job go underneath plumbing job and then in the bowels of of new york you get transported away into the mushroom kingdom there are hijinks and chases in the Mushroom Kingdom, Bowser's there, and then you get transported back into New York in a way that you're kind of facilitating a terror attack, more so in the Super Mario Bros. movie of Mario Mario is somewhat complicit in terrorism. Um <laughs> A lot of people die in the ending of that movie. A lot of like, yeah, no, of, like mean... a lot of people he just brings a massive spaceship fortress just crashing into the center of New York. That's um, true. He does that. Just saying. He does, he does do that. It did seem like a strange choice. Yeah, it's a strange choice. So then they go back to the world and they defeat the Bowser in the Bowser in New York City. And that's the plot structure of both movies. So clearly this movie, this new movie, is inspired by the old movie. But what if you took out all the personality, soul and charm out of a genuinely weird oddity? I understand we're not liking the original film. What I don't understand is those who say things like it being objectively bad. There are so many reviews out there, I've said it before, that people are like, it's, it's objectively that bad. That term is just terrible. But it, I really just, enjoyed it, it. If you enjoyed it, it's good. Objectively bad just does not exist. That is not a thing. Nothing is objectively anything. It's just, I, I it, yeah, a frustrating term to me. But yeah, I, I think like the main difference to me between like the two films is that the the 90s movie is is taking these ideas and it's translating it into a completely different film language it's 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 right it's being creative and it's trying Mm. to do something different and it is like for all intents and purposes like it's how you want to translate like the ideas of a video game which is cartoonish and simple Mm. and doesn't really translate to like a film it's like how do you take those ideas and make something different out of it that's you know as far as i'm concerned like really what you want to do with it it might not be completely successful but it's taking those ideas and being creative with them and the 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 super mario brothers movie is just like watching the video game and there's parts of that that are fun but mm. it's like if i'm just watching a translation of what i can get in the video game why yeah. would i not just play it yeah, anything that I like about Super Mario Bros. movie, and there are things that I like about it in there. Yeah, me too. Is is legitimately just well, that's because there's good stuff about the game. Of visually, yeah. it's it's really attractive and really interesting. Um, but the actual filmic stuff in that is really not very good. There's a bit towards no. the beginning that is good, where it does this wonderful pulls out to a side scrolling kind of like perspective, and that's you see Mario fun. do yeah. some parkour through the city, and like this looks like video game in a way that makes it look good later. There are other platforming sequences where the camera just does not do the same thing. It moves around, keeps too close, and doesn't actually give the view of the cinematic space. Because this film is just such a tight 90 minutes that it feels (sighs) obsessed to just keep going, 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 going. It's so rushed. It's it's just sprinting through all of it. It really is, yeah. Yeah, it's... I mean, and this is going to be... Neither of us like this this film. No, it's it's bad. it's so ridiculous to me that this is like this big mm. debate over this film. It's like 
this happens, you know, every six months at this point where a yeah. big movie comes out and critics don't like it. And then everyone no, talks about how good. terrible critics are. And it's just like, it's not a good film. And I'm not saying that you aren't allowed to have fun at it, but that's not what I'm doing oh. as a film critic. That's not my purpose is to tell you that I'm, you know, if I had fun, then I would tell you that I had fun. Yeah. It, but it's, it's not a good movie. If This is the thing. Of, so there's loads of people out there of talking about how the Rotten Tomatoes, first of all, I don't want this to become us defending Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes is bad. Um, it is. So, <laughs> people, I agree with you. It's a bad thing. Um, but not for the reasons that you think it is. Because they're just like, oh, the critic score is so far away from the audience score. I'm like, my man, that's why there are two scores. Yeah. That's why it gives you both metrics. For that reason. If they aligned all the time, what would be the point? Because the whole point is that the critical reception of something is going to be very different from the audience reception. Because they're not the same right. thing. They're different metrics for different reasons of if you want to actually go into the sense of I'm going to spend a lot of time puzzling out a take on this film is very different to I spent my $10 and I went to see a movie and that is a right. different experience criticism is a different thing to film watching it is interacting with text in a way this is the same reason for that when they do English literature at school learn to hate books in a way because they're like I just like reading I don't like analysing yeah. and that's totally fine they are different ways of interpreting with art you don't have to like critically acclaimed stuff because it's different ways of viewing things but then don't bite back the other way because yes it is overthinking about stuff but there is a joy in engaging critically your mind to work out why things are working and why they're not yeah. working and then to articulate and what actually annoys me of those people who are like oh critics hate it it's fun explain why it's fun please Show me the right, like don't just don't sit there and just attack critics for not liking it. Mm. Tell me why you yeah. like it. That's that should be the engagement. That should be the discussion of if you had fun and you enjoyed it, that's great. I want to hear why you yes. liked it and I had fun. I'm not going to attack you because you liked the film. I have nothing against anyone liking this film. If you had fun, that's awesome. And I think there's definitely a difference that mm. neither of us have kids. And a lot of people that have kids and took their kids to see it had a lot of fun seeing yeah. it because their kids had fun. And that's great. That's awesome. If kids are loving it, that's awesome. But that's also but... part of criticism. The subjective experience right. of what your screening is like is really, really important. Some of Calvin's best reviews on the site are I saw of my daughter or let me think of my daughter. Yeah. And that's why it's brilliant to me. That's really valuable. Please give me that as opposed to, well, snooty critics don't like it. Like, well, it's because you view a film via yourself. And what I really don't like is people being like, well, it's just for kids. There are so many movies out there of kids that are absolutely brilliant. Exactly. Um, because kids, to an extent, will kind of like whatever, but they will really like and return to and find yeah, real I... joy in things that stick with them. Because yeah. we all have these films where I liked it as a kid and now it's as bad. And that's a, that's a shitty thing to go through, where it's great to have some of the, dare I say, Disney stage, which are like, actually, this was a really good film. And back yeah, to the Winnie absolutely. the Pooh conversation in the beginning, there's one of the Pooh books I still hold very, very dear, because they, they speak right. across generations beautifully. Toy Story 3 speaks across generations beautifully. This is stuff that actually cares about what motivates kids and gets kids to actually like and enjoy and promote yeah. conversation, cross conversation. Kids aren't going to see them by themselves, fundamentally. Yeah. Kids aren't just walking in and seeing films. So therefore, kids' films are not made entirely for kids. You want to make straight for streaming stuff at home that is just like, precision yeah, told to be that thing. That's different. Yeah, people talk about like the, the target audience and you're right, it's not just children because they're four-year-olds aren't walking into city world and saying i want right. to take it to Matt adults Rose. have to watch it too and and it's just i dislike this narrative that kids that are for children should only be for children and that no like adults mm. don't ha like shouldn't be able to enjoy them like there's tons of kids films that are 
just genuinely great films that adults mm. can also enjoy. It's not like some mutually exclusive thing where you make a kid a film for kids and that means that it has to only be for kids and nobody else can enjoy it. You can make this a is good Mario film. From the uh, some of the involved of these in this film are the Lego movie people, right? Isn't it at least like the second Lego movie? I there is there is a shared know. You DNA might be right, here. But I don't know off the top of my head, but probably you're probably and right. The, and that was the exact example that that came to mind is when I was talking about this with my family earlier mm. when I was over for for Easter, and my brother was was talking about this and you know the the target audience and everything, and he's like, oh, it's just you know it's a kids film, and I'm like, the Lego Movie is a kids film, and it's the same thing where it's based on a kids property, and it's a great, a genuinely great film that does do that. It, bridges that gap and it speaks to kids and it speaks to adults and that's just a good yeah, movie and it doesn't I just have to be that way so much is lost from only being like at kids whatever which is one condescending um yeah because yeah kids will like whatever to an extent but many of them won't there are kids that will not like this and to, to homogenize kids being like well it's for kids and so much is gained from just actually making something that's appealing of there is only benefits to well this is more than just it's for kids we really thought about why does work for kids? Also, you're making things for kids. There is a moral duty there as well to make something that is actually yeah. has an imperative behind it that, that does stuff. And this doesn't have that kind of like moral enriching layer to it. This is not educational or informative or interesting. It's just a blitz of like Colin Rogers. You would get more out of sitting with your kid and playing the two player mode in Mario Odyssey. Of that's a genuinely informative right. educational space of let's learn how to interact with a space and what this means. And there are skills gained from that and like an experience like this doesn't even have that element to it. And yeah, yeah. I will just so reject the woods for kids, whatever. Yeah. And I think there's like a frustrating thing of like, it just turns into kind of people speaking down to children. Mm. And I, it's like, I just don't like that idea of like, well, they're kids. So they're just kind of idiots. So we can just kind of yeah. give them whatever slop and they'll love it. It's like, but you can present kids yeah. With a film that is, yes, geared towards children, but it is still intelligent and well-crafted, and kids will still appreciate that. Maybe they can appreciate this, and that's great, but that doesn't mean that we should just be giving kids whatever slop, and it doesn't matter. We don't have to try. It's like, you can put an effort, and kids will appreciate that, and that will be more enriching to a child to see something that is actually well-crafted and well-put together. I, For me, so much the joy of family entertainment is it facilitating the conversations in the car on the way home. And there's a lovely bit in The Fablemans um, towards the beginning when Michelle Williams' character turns around to young, not Spielberg, and just asks him, like, what was your favourite part of that conversation yeah. about, like, being enlivened and enriched? And you just get... It had Mario in it. You're like, should we go back and play Odyssey? Like, yeah. Yeah, it's like there's there's so much in here that is like there's these great nods and it's it's very I think it's very focused on the newer mm. games, which is fine because I think that's obviously again like you're giving it to an audience of people that are mostly familiar with the newer games, but it is that's the same feeling I get of like well, I could just be playing Odyssey, I could just be playing mm. Galaxy, like I could just be playing those games and it would be a much more engaging and fun experience and mm. the narrative is pretty much the same thing, so I don't really what is this film adding even to the Mario universe? You know, like it's just, I, I think it's not doing anything particularly interesting or creative. I'm going to go out on a limb and we'll see if you're going to join me here. Okay. Of, with, with my take. Maybe when you won't of, okay, let's, let's take the idea of it's for kids, whatever. And let's, let's buy that for a minute. Sure. Then I go back to why the Mario film then? Because Mario fundamentally is, 
It's not because this is a story franchise that goes back to so the the key actual audience for Super Mario Brothers is not yeah. young young children. The people that are deeply invested in Super Mario Brothers are not young young kids. They are people my age or older, people older than me exist, who actually do have a real love for the stuff that have grown with it. It's I mean the franchise that shall not be named. Um, one of the things that I liked about it was that those books aged with me as I grew up, and I liked that the, the seventh book in that franchise. I got something out of that that I would not get out of, and that's plateaued now because then that means right. that if you're getting to those now, weirdly, book seven is not appropriate for you, but book one is appropriate for you. So that didn't really work right. in retrospect, but it worked at the moment. Mario means something to me, goddammit. And people were talking about like this is for kids, I'm like yeah, kind of, but Mario is not. For kids, Mario is for everybody, and it shouldn't just be thing. baby Mario. Totally agree. It's not, and the thing is, when you're when you're talking about this, like kids don't just come upon this stuff out of nowhere. Mm. Kids that are into Mario now have been introduced to it by their parents, yes. who are ostensibly very engaged and interested in the franchise as a whole, and have been playing it since the first games. So when you just decide to forget about anybody that is older than eight years old, then it's like, well what are we doing here you know because again those people are going to be there and they're going to be watching yeah. it and they're the people that want to be just as engaged and i love mario i love a mm. lot of the mario games but this doesn't do anything for me outside of being able to point out some neat little references yeah. in you know the background which is cool because it i is, think the animators are, are really yeah. passionate about this there's mm. such great work in it yeah. but the overall picture is just it's very frictionless like you said it's just it's there's nothing there and, yeah, I love the aesthetics of Mario. I love the idea of Mario. It's a franchise that generally means a lot to me. And I was actually, as I've said before, very excited for this movie. Because it is You're, for yeah. me. It is legitimately for me. Why is it not for me? Of Why is a it, yeah. Super Mario Bros. movie not for someone like me that's played all of the mainline games, really loves them, goes back to them, is indebted to the franchise? Like, in this room that I'm in right now, there is, there is some Mario iconography around. In my... Um, Landing outside, there is a little kind of like Lego Mario figure up on the wall because I just got that like a sale at some point. I love this stuff. And yeah. It doesn't have to be for me, but it should not exist at the expense of me. And the excuse should not be, well, it's for kids because it's an anime movie. First of all, right. anime movies aren't only for kids. So nope. fuck off on that one. Um, <laughs> and second of all, this franchise, again, is, is not only a kids franchise. The reason why Super Mario Bros. is a great game is because it is accessible for all in the bounds of accessibility reasons, obviously. Right. But it has never been... Mario's never been for kids. The beauty of Nintendo products is that they have a universality to them within a, a spectrum of lived experience. And this should be Princess Bridey. This should be Lego Movie in the way that it, it speaks across generations because it has a universal appeal as opposed to me and them going like, well, kids will kind of like it because it has a lot of flashy stuff and it has sound effects from the game. Piss off. Which is... It is really it. And it's just... it's. It's sprinting so fast to get through all of those things and hit all of these what beats is it, a that Sonic it wants movie? to hit. <laughs> and it's just like it just it does. It feels so empty, and it's just like there's it doesn't have any time to actually do anything with any of the ideas that it has yeah. because it has to has to get in the Mario Kart. And it's got to get in the kind of Super Smash Bros. thing. That, it's that, get that, in, that it's just, like, just do Super Smash Bros. Just do it properly. Yeah, it's it's weird because it sets it up like a Smash Bros. thing, but then you're like, oh, but it's not really, no. and it's just kind of. In between, yeah, it's it. it's disappointing. It is because I I would want something like this to be so much more, and it's not really like I expect a whole lot from Illumination, which is a studio who have not made any movies that I really like. Mm. But it's 
it's still disappointing because it feels like it could be a whole lot more than it is. The thing I always go back to is people, why don't you want this movie to be good? Why don't you? People are being like, well, you know, I didn't expect blah, blah. Why not? Like, have better expectations of your art in your world. Yeah. Of, it, it could, there, is a, there is a world, as proven by the Lego movie, where something that seems the lowest common denominator of we made an adaptation of plastic bricks can be what I think is, like, modern, like, masterpiece, absolutely brilliant film. There is a world where this could have been absolutely great, and I can have in-depth thematic conversations about how the reason the Lego movie is great is because that movie, like on with Mario, it adapts Lego as the because I remember when before the movie came out, it's like how to make a Lego movie, and right. my take was, oh, they actually adapted the idea of Lego, the idea of yeah, it's so you great. build right. with it or you create with it, or and the different people interact with it in different ways, and that can cause friction. Right, it, doesn't have to cause friction. They actually adapted Lego and made it into yeah. a movie. It's so imaginative and so brilliant. And it directly that movie directly deals with like the generational gap mm. of like older people that are using Legos and younger like kids that are using Legos and the creativity of it and all that stuff. And it's just like this doesn't have any interest in anything of the sort, which is just, it's it's really disappointing. I get that your kid enjoyed the bad Mario Brothers movie. They'd also enjoy the good Mario Brothers movie. They would enjoy that, and so would you. And you would get the same experience of, my kid liked this movie, but I like this movie too, as opposed to, well, I enjoyed it because my kid did, and it went, broom. Yeah. It, yeah, I, I mean, and just... I do realize the irony yeah. that I use the sonic ma- sound effect for the Mario Brothers <laughs> movie. Um, but, ugh. It's the way it is. And just, I don't know, bring voice actors back. I don't know what we're doing. I'm just, I'm tired of just the, the stunt casting celebrities in every role and they're yeah. not very good at it just because they, they're Shrek. big names. And I'm like, this is the Mario movie. Like, you would have people going to see it anyway. You don't need to bring in, like, nobody's going to see this movie because Chris Pratt is Mario. Like, I mean, I know that's like a whole debate anyway. But, but it's, For it's me, just... Chris Pratt made sense at the end because, like, the approach to, uh, it's Chris Pratt. And he'll do a voice because he's popular. That's the movie. The movie is just, it's just sounded well, down. Yeah, very much. It's but what will work, what is going to be the most innocuous yeah. decision. The reason people will like it is because of the innocuous. It is precision tooled to be frictionless, to not upset right. anything, to just kind of just like be there and be like, oh, that was kind of fine. And that's not good. Kind of fine is bad. Yeah, it's just, I like you said, I, we should expect better from mm. stuff like this, and it's disappointing when something comes out and it's just kind of dismissed as like, well, who cares, because it's for kids and it's a oh, Mario movie. It's like, it, we can ask for better than this. It, we don't gonna, have to just be like, okay with it. I'm going to reply to Letterboxd comments here, apparently, because I'm not going to do it on that place. Because Why I don't, not? I don't, who cares? I don't, so, you know, <laughs> there are people out there who are saying things like, people expect character development from this. It's Mario. Um know more about mario the paper mario games are really goddamn good the mario rpg games are really goddamn good there are games out there that have interesting stories in this space because they've been like things when you adapt it into a different mode right it comes with expectations the mario rpgs have really bowser's inside story fun fun good gag because you're inside mario you're inside bowser and it's also like an intense there's been some really clever really interesting narrative stuff done in the mario world because when it becomes into new genres and new formats it comes as expectations mario has done this before it's mario is not just the i run to the right and jump game it is so much more than that yeah that's that's exactly it it's like when you are translating this stuff it's like you shouldn't be expecting it to be one-to-one you shouldn't Mm. just expect it to be he's just going to be a faceless guy that runs to the right and then saves the princess. It's like that if you're translating it into a film, you can give him whatever backstory, whatever character development you want. You are supposed to make him into a character Hmm. when he is in a film. And if you don't do that, then it's again, 
Make it fun. Why don't I just play the game where I run to the right? Yeah. If, if it's not going to do any of that. If you are just making it one-to-one, then why am I here watching a movie? And also... You have to actually do something with it. It does that stuff and it's badly. Like, at the beginning, there is the whole, oh, we're failed plumbers. I mean, that stuff. It, it has all the narrativizing. It, that stuff... It stop pretending it's not this... there. It does it badly. Yeah. It throws in this character development stuff, like, just so sporadically, and it mm. never actually means anything, and it never matters, and there's, like, this weird moment where... There's like the the DK and Mario connection because both of their fathers are disappointed in them. Oh, and I'm it's like, the this most like nothing. Batman versus Superman dodge stuff. That's ever. that's exactly what I thought. I was like, is this like a Martha moment right yeah. now? Like, what is the point of this? It's just and it doesn't oh, mean anything. Sad dad. Space it doesn't dad matter. It is just yeah. It's they just throw in these ideas. They're never there's never character development. It's just like they state things at you when they feel like it and it's supposed to kind of mean something and it gives you this vague idea that maybe these characters have stories but they don't really it's the Super Mario Brothers movie but Luigi's barely in it. Yeah. I don't know. It's just he's locked away and then DK kind of takes his place and I'm like, "What? Well, what are we doing?" I mean, I think Charlie Day is maybe the only like genuinely great voice I think Jack in Black this. Is good. Like, I, think, I, just, I think Jack Black's pretty good at that. I think, I think Jack Black is having a lot of fun and he's doing a great job but I don't think he's a good Bowser if that makes sense. Like, Fair I enough. I mean, I, I, don't I, know. I, I mean, you also like Bloomer and I don't so there you go. There's, there's the addition of that. I, I, it's, I, it's a joke it's stupid, style but I that know. I don't enjoy at all. It's it, To me, it's I can understand like that. the lowest common denominator like low-hanging fruit of like, what's well, going to make him say vague existential stuff? And for me, it was shown so perfectly at the end that the random like I'm gonna say some sad stuff. How about a sax? I'm like that. That means nothing. There's a, a meaning. Yeah, nothing I mean, is there. No, you're you're absolutely right. It's very stupid and it's very lowest common denominator. But it was just like a thing in the movie. Where yeah, I was like, this it, is, kind it, of silly. it is. It is literally yeah. a spark of something different in, in <laughs> very much. I think that was it. It just felt different, and I was like, I like this little silly Luma. That's fine. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> but yeah, not not a good film. I just don't understand why people are complaining. The movie can be good. Why are you mad? Good. Why are you just, mad at people for wanting the movies to be good? It could be good. I think. I think what's almost more frustrating is that it's all these people who are like up in arms and angry that critics don't like this giant studio movie that's making millions and like it's the biggest oh, animated know, movie opening ever. So right. And you're upset that critics don't like who? What, what difference does it make? This movie's making tons of money. You don't need to defend this corporation. This, this like constructed by numbers film like it you can like it it's okay what difference does it make if critics aren't agreeing with you the audiences are obviously out in droves seeing this film why does it have to be this war against critics i just don't understand i think this is true for both of us at least i hope it is but i think i think a lot i'm sure vaughn does as well about like what is criticism what is the purpose of it what does it do and that's a, an interesting thing to think about and to worry about and to puzzle about and get your head about. I've been reading the um, the short history of Cahiers the Cinema, um, which was got for me as a gift um, from an ex-colleague. And it's really it's really interesting. Um, there's a lot of things that I thought I knew about Cahiers that are not true, um, and it's a it's a great little part of history. There's a bit towards the beginning where it talks about one of the founders of his approach to criticism, and he was described as he made you see the film that he saw. Or convinced you what the film was actually about and that can be a role of criticism sometimes of i'm going yeah. to let you know what the film actually was or guide you into how it worked for me of the interpreting it and be like this is actually what you could have seen or what i saw is a great way to work a film criticism it's not everyone coming from the same set of tools on the same page we all bring our own experiences and all things to bear very much and that's the yeah. beauty of criticism of 
this is the actual film that I divine out of it because watching is an active process and all the defense of this movie is all such a defense of passive viewing of it yeah. was fun it was fine fun is one thing that films can be and even children's cinema does not only aspire to the level of fun children need more things than just fun absolutely um, there is so much more that it could be doing and it still could be this things and that's something i mean that too and yeah. the refrain it could still be fun it could still be enjoyable it could be beautiful and it could be better in every other conceivable way look at every ghibli movie every miyazaki yeah. movie it's like they are films for children that are very you know rich with things to think about and talk about that are you know they are films well, for children that are have so many other things going on and do not just aspire to cheap lazy fun well, and that, it doesn't have to be that way and that's why calvin is a great example here because there's beautiful calvin reviews where it's like i like this film because i had a great moment with my child for it and there's like the princess kaguya stuff of this film is meaningful to me now because both right. me and my child really had a profound experience out of that and it's great being like Great. Remember the time when you took your kids to see the Mario movie and you had a lovely time because that yeah. was great. But you'll remember more that time when you actually, dare I say, intellectually and emotionally bonded over something because you had a conversation and got something out of it as opposed to just like, right. do you have a fun time in the movies? Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, to kind of double back on, on your comments of just like talking about criticism as a whole, I think there's like, I, I get frustrated because these kinds of like, this kind of like discourse, I think really presents criticism as like this monolithic thing mm. and it's just it's that that's not what it is it's like all of this stuff is is built on subjectivity because film is always going to be subjective there's no such thing yeah. as this movie is objectively good or objectively bad yeah. Vaughn likes Columbus. The... <laughs> i do like columbus because it is a good film but you know when when you look at something like this it's like it's not like critics all got together and decided that they all hate the mario movie and we're all going to attack actually the mario i reviewed this we had, we had a meeting a week before we all said let's, let's <laughs> right. this film because it's for your we plan out okay this these are the films on the docket for this yeah. week what are we going to think about all of them but all right and it's made like, we're supposed to like because it's pretentious we can't <laughs> like my brother sorry yeah it's just this this kind of stuff is just it is the approach of critics have a certain approach and they're mm. trying to to tell you what their experience was and mm. if the experience overall of critics to him and the response is mostly negative it just means that that is the approach that these people took that's why you are supposed to be reading and looking at individual reviews yeah. and why aggregate is not really the end no, all it's be stupid. all um, here's another just thing. because it is not um this may surprise you people so i i reviewed the super movie and the people out there being like it's four-year-olds mate four-year-olds i didn't my I'm not reading my review of the Sumerian movie. I mean, how right. is to begin with? But yeah. I, That's I, a very good point. Like, yes, it is for them. Four-year-olds are not reading film criticism. So why should I write a, a review that goes, right. four-year-olds are like this? Like, no four-year-old is going to the twingeeks.com and looking up like, ah, <laughs> oh, I love a pipeline. Yes, very good review of that one. Oh, NS Main, 10 out of 10. That seems great. Oh, 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 what's right. more covered recently? Great stuff. Like, yeah, there will be people like us who will go see this film because they like Super Mario. It's very, it's also valuable to be yeah. the experience they will get with this film. That is also an experience that matters. Right, I think that's really it. It's like a lot of criticism is like people find critics that they align with and that they, they enjoy the way that they approach things. And that's why they are going to those critics is because they are interested in that specific person's perspective. And so that's, the, that's why you are writing about your subjective experience with something because you are speaking to the people that are coming to you to get your perspective and if you didn't like it then that's 
valuable. That's what people are coming to you for. And, and not for me to just go, this had lots of bright colors. I guess kids might like it. Like if anyone, that's not why anyone's reading my reviews. If anyone insults my hour long analysis of Saturn Tango, I was like, this is for 31 year old Stevens. And it's only entirely for Stevens. How do you not treat it in that way? It's only that audience. I don't care. Ugh. This was a very different podcast than I was expecting it to be. <laughs> spicy and mad. Um, spicy but I had a, mad. It's, spicy and spicy mad about it. Very good conversation. This is this Just, has been fun. It's a good a good way to talk about Mario because I don't have that much to say about the film itself. Like it's it's not even terrible. It's kind of fine. It's 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 mediocre. Yeah. And it is. I, it's it's fine. It's just like it's disappointing and it's just not great. There's nothing there really. It's not like I was mad watching it. Like furious in the theater that this was not no, high no, cinema because parts of it are totally fine it's just like i came i came out of it and i was like that was just nothing it's just i'm not taking away anything from that experience yeah. it was just basically a lot of bright lights and flashing colors and little easter eggs and that's about it mm. it's fine to watch it but is it actually something that i enjoyed and it's good no not really yeah and i and there are a lot of reviews out there from critics that are really, really stupid that on the rounds because they're trying to use video game stuff that thing that i think jt shared about someone saying it's like playing an unplanned game where you're like please stop trying please stop right. <laughs> please pl please don't just please don't but dare i say a review for someone like myself there is dare i dare i say there is a value there of like again someone I, that cares about this franchise that right. it means something to and they put a movie out in cinemas that's the super was like i was there day one i was there before day one because like there's an early screen of this <laughs> i was straight to see it i was so excited super movies, and no it's bad that's perspective i'm not gonna say you might be like if i was four i may have liked it I th yeah it's it's just it doesn't it really it doesn't have to be bad i mean if you even we look forward to later this year we're talking about like the barbie movie it's like that's also Gran Turismo. A... Yeah, that's good. <laughs> no not talking about Gran Turismo again <laughs> this podcast next time <laughs> more Gran Turismo. um but it's like barbie is based on a children's property but it's like mm. clearly that film is not being made for just children and <laughs> i don't know any children that are excited for the barbie movie that's a movie made for adults basically but this stuff doesn't have to be one specific thing. We don't have to no. to pigeonhole this stuff just because of what it's based on or, or it being a video yeah. game movie or whatever. Um, it can be fun and it can be creative and it can take a swing and it doesn't yeah. have to be just brand safe, bland nonsense. It does not. It does not. So there you go. That's there three, go. four arguing movies covered. Arguably. Great job. Great job. Great job. If you can, if you can consider Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey a movie. Um, it's bad. <laughs> I will double check. I don't think we have any mail this week because I have been absolutely terrible at requesting it because we have been kind of off of our schedule. But now yeah. that we have, this is hopefully getting us back onto something on schedule again. at gmail.com. Email. So yes, if you have any, any comments, if you are really mad at us for, I don't know, whatever we talked about I on mean, this show. Yeah, please, um, I mean, if you disagree with the Mario discourse because we're, we're, we yeah. are repeatedly agreeing with each other here, then make your case please give us i do want to, to hear from from yeah. listeners um but yeah thinking which is more my complaint because the people that are against us in this discourse because this has become a discourse they are not making their point that all they are saying is right. it's for kids shut up like please articulate why that matters why it's interesting what it's doing why it's good that it's for kids what it's doing for kids there is Absolutely. more than done there beyond it's for kids and i had fun cool why articulate so 
no listener mail this week. Next time, I promise I will request mail um, for whatever we talk about next. Or I don't know exactly. Maybe Evil Dead. I don't know. We'll see. Oh yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, but Stephen, yeah, what are you going to recommend this week? What do we got? I am going to recommend a movie. I'm talking in two things. Um, both are Warren Beatty movies. Um, Warren Beatty movies. Um, is that something you've been kind of going through, or by mistake? Um, so okay. I've been watching through Elaine um, Elaine May movies for Stacks. So uh, for the Stacks for Elaine Maypril, um, everyone's favorite April theme month. Uh, <laughs> what what? what? <laughs> Nothing. It's a good bit. I like it. it was a good yeah, I mean, bit, what that, bit? <laughs> that was that was a, that was a great Jack bit. Of, yeah, we, which I know my commitment of watching all the Planet of the Apes movies as a tease before, and then it was not April. Oh. Great. Um, so yeah, Elaine Maypril, the films of Elaine May. Now, I don't think there are only four films of Elaine May. Well, no, you're wrong. She made a short and a pseudo-documentary that I've not seen yet. But she also did a lot of writing, sometimes credited, sometimes uncredited. Um, and she worked a lot with Warren Beatty, um, which has then led me into watching a lot of Warren Beatty movies. Oh. And actually realising that I really like Warren Beatty movies. Um, mm. So the two that I'm going to recommend, one is Dick two. Tracy which you should watch because you have a really fun I've time. I've been meaning to watch that. Yeah, I'm it's, sure I would. This goes back to what we're saying about like, just make fun things, just make fun, yeah. passionate, make the cool thing out of the franchise that you don't need to make all the money in the world. Every film's making all the money in the world. Every Literally every film is making all the money in the world. All of them. You know the film, All the Money in the World? That made all the money in the world. I don't know if it did. I don't think that was that good. I didn't think it did too well at the box office. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure it made all the money in the world. I mean, that's why it's called okay. that. Um, it didn't have Kevin Spacey in it, notably. Um, it didn't. Yeah, no, I, I was trying to remember if that was actually the person that was removed, but it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's the only notable thing about that movie, apart from it it's made true. all the money in the world. Um, <laughs> so Dick Tracy is based on the, the comic books, I believe, but it is filmed in the... It's like, what if Tank Girl was good? of let's stylize and be strange and weird and cool of just completely all style dare i say no substance filmmaking where the style becomes deeply substantial of every little trick if everything's fun it looks like nothing else it's so so good but the film that one race is most famous for is obviously reds which i finally was watching the 195 minute epic about two socialist writers um but it's really a lot of people you included were talking about how um john wick 4 was like um oh god how am i blanking on the name what's he called that great filmmaker lawrence very john woo no oh um uh, why am i blanking now brief encounter lawrence very oh um, why am I, I? You've got me blanking now. I'm just gonna. It's, have to... it's gonna be cut out, so don't worry. Okay, well that's fine. You're looking for the director of Lawrence of Arabia, David Lean. Of course, David Lean. Um, David Lean. There you so, go. um, I know. I, I just reset, kept thinking Lawrence. Uh, I yeah. I, I reset, like, so, um, <laughs> so I want to say Lawrence Kasdan for some reason, but I knew <laughs> that was wrong. <laughs> so a bunch of people, including Vaughn, were talking about how um, John McFaul, formerly of this podcast, has some of the lineage of David Lean in it. Um, yes. which it does to an extent um, and that is such a particular type of romantic wonderful epic where 
the external scope is beautiful but it is kind of a way of showing the the internal emotional and deeply intimate scope yeah. and reds is brilliant i mean it's absolutely it's a really you would you would really love it um right. it is a phenomenal phenomenal film that's really historically important if it tracks the political lives through the 1910s of two fascinating people um but it is just such an achingly romantic and honest film this will matter because there is something deeply human about them and their connection that is put so beautifully on onto the screen and Diane Keaton is just absolutely stunning in it of just when the film when she's not there you miss her presence and that feels very very purposeful and the film ends when Warren Beatty's character dies it's based on on fact and you feel like the film could go on and should go on because it was about her yeah. as well and it it so beautifully captures people matter because they're human relationships to each other and they exist in politics and the politics of the personal and the politics around them and it's about how their political life intersects their personal life and juxtaposes or coalesces and it's such a wonderful beautiful old-fashioned epic it is perhaps most famous for winning lots of oscars but not best picture because oh, okay. best picture went to chariots of fire which is not a very good movie um and Reds is astonishing. It is just beautiful, old-fashioned. They don't make it like this anymore. Confident, so well-realised, meticulous, beautiful filmmaking. It earns its length. It's over three hours long. Oh, yeah. It's, long, it's just stunning. It's just so <laughs> lovely. And it just achieves an emotional clarity and depth that you get from that kind of like long-form but still cinematic storytelling. Right. Yeah, I really think you should watch it at some point. Um, make it priority. It is a politically brilliant and astute film because it could so be like a comforting romantic watch, and it is, but then it also has some firebrand politics that it really wants to talk yeah. about and really get to the complexities of, do I think this? Do I think this, actually? What is the right communist stance to take at the moment? And how can American politics link to nascent USSR politics? It's really interesting, really cool. Oh, what a movie. Reds. Awesome. So good. Do you have a second? You say you had two movies. Yeah, and Dick Tracy. Oh, gotcha. That's right. I forgot already somehow. Mm. Um, so I've got one also that um, I think you would really be a fan of. I'm going to recommend. So I, I, I hesitate a little bit because I was like, I've already recommended a film by this director, but I'm going to do it anyway because this is a really good movie. Wait, um, is it Agnes Potter again? Are we back into that? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, this is Sui Hark's Peking Opera Blues, Ooh. which is a very, very cool movie. Um, it is about um, early 1900s China and this kind of transition of power. And it's basically kind of about these string of generals that are tr constantly trying to take charge of the government. And um, it is centrally about these three women and one of them is the daughter of one of the generals um and the other one is the daughter of one like a the owner of an opera house like a theater um and the third one is like looking is, is trying to steal a some jewels um oh. to basically get her, her riches um but they all kind of come together and it's it's such a great film that is ends up kind of being about like the it uses this central location of the opera house to kind of show like the the theatricality and the absurdity of of imperialism and of fascism and mm. the way that that all of these generals are just like playing this ridiculous game 
and it uses these these three women very interestingly the the main woman um is dresses as a man to basically get herself into more places and to try and kind of navigate the world more easily um mm-hmm. in that position um so it's such a great way of like playing with these different kinds of of politics and the positions of these women and that they are all basically defined by like their fathers and the men around them and they are trying to kind of break out of that and using the the theatricality of it to their advantage um and it's just such an interesting way of like plotting it through and then it's got like all of this this great like it's still because it's like still Sui Hark and he's just like a fantastic director there's also like I need to see a just, thing from him I have not yeah, such yet. a great director um yeah so there's just like great classic Hong Kong action in there and just like great very well articulated politics and and just like it's it's such a cool movie really really fun nice. so there you go Peking Opera Blues highly recommend thank you so if, if the Mario Bros movie lets you down watch reds <laughs> similar to mario in that way that it, he's red they are reds there you go I'll watch <laughs> king opera blues how is it similar to the mario Bros. movie um because in the super mario brothers movie they flip the script on peach and she's kind of like not like um just the damsel in distress she's a heroine mm. and this is about a bunch of cool um, badass women so there you go there you go so if you want to like scratch that girl boss itch that i know you have, <laughs> there you go <laughs> and you thought the mario bros trailer over promised the girl boss have you read the people that are talking about oh my god sorry for introducing the podcast to this and maybe vaughn there are people out there congratulating oh, illumination for um tricking the woke crowd of the what the, does that mean yeah the mario bros trailer made like peach look more like a girl boss than she actually is so therefore it gets people okay in, but then allows them to not do that i don't even know how it does it i mean you're right that it, she's not like a super girl boss but she's, she's also not. not not that i don't really understand i don't know See, I'm not she's, sure there's she, anything. she still needs mario to save the day and to save her ultimately in the end oh, but the trailer gotcha. made it look like she was like i'm a walk all over you vibes um so they you, you get in the woke crowd but then you give them the good movie that isn't tainted, <laughs> the good movie. isn't tainted by wokeness that's it illuminations playing all the woke crowd mm. sure <laughs> this is a movie for the alt-right super mario <laughs> brothers which is such a betrayal <laughs> of the original movie because the original movie true. is deeply anti-fascist in beautiful ways it's true it is um, oh yeah, you know what? Well, <laughs> show, your, show your kids Super Mario Bros. Three. Show your kids. So you get recommending films to our listeners' children now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Stephen, what have you got to plug this week before we sign off? Super Mario Brothers from 1993. That's <laughs> you didn't. You're not making that. <laughs> All right, blinds-blinds.co.uk. <laughs> is a website i now have an interest in oh um, my god um please find me on the stacks um stacks on film at gmail.com or email us patreon.com slash stacks on film um we can listen to all kinds of things uh, you can listen, and you can sign up the patreon and listen to exclusive things of me leaving the cinema and talking into a phone about what i think about a movie before i more cleanly put it out into review um Jack and I are doing rankings of our months on there, so if you want to actually hear our official ranking of M. Night Shyamalan, you can, you can watch that there. As we now enter in late April, you'll get an late April ranking there as well. <laughs> so please follow us there. Um, 
And then, yeah, we just wrapped up the second season on Ashes to Classics, Protagonist is posted, so covering um, Weimar film, um, which is really, really fascinating, learns a lot. Not all the films were great, but they were all really interesting to talk about. And there'll be a third season of that in, in the future. Um, how awesome. near, I don't know. Um, but yeah, um, Vaughn, you're in things soon. Uh, I am in things soon. I think it might be out by the time that this is out, but Ooh. I was on the most recent episode of the Motorn cast talking about mm. Metal Detector Maniac. Um, you so were me. I, I requested that you refer to yourself as Stephen the whole way through and just pretend that you were me. I don't know if that memo was passed on to you. Uh, that definitely was not passed on uh. to me, and I'm glad <laughs> to not do that. <laughs> Would have been fun, though. Um, so you can check that out. Um, there might be some fun stuff featuring me on the Twin Geeks podcast yes. feed in the near future, but I don't know exactly when that's going to be. Ready so your blades. Too much, but um yeah and then check me out on the website yeah check him out check him out and once again i'll remind everybody to send us an email at thinking of spoiling at gmail.com yeah, join the discourse join the discourse say hello please give us a rating if you have listened to the podcast and enjoy it that would be and greatly if you, appreciated if you haven't enjoyed it and remember it's for four-year-olds so therefore your opinion doesn't matter yes um so who are you this to is just judge? a podcast for children so don't worry children. about it anything that's bad now i go well actually it's a four-year-old so it doesn't really matter a four-year-old enjoyed <laughs> it i just made fart sounds into the mic for 24 hours and actually a three-year-old had a great time of it so who are you to judge it perfect there you go um and then uh, if there's nothing else, Stephen, we will be back in two weeks to talk about some more films. But for now, I'm thinking of ending this podcast. Nice. Great. <laughs>